You've loved Sarah and I so well. We've been in Plymouth for 26 years. We've been at Crossroads most of that. And um, you've just loved us, helped us in many ways when we really needed it. You've prayed us through some of the harder times of our lives. Some of the things Sarah has gone through in her health especially. You've been there for us. You've moved us from one house to another. <laughs> and you're going to be doing that again soon. <laughs> and um, oh, you've just loved us and helped us in so many ways. It, it, it's rare to find a place like this. They're out there, but you have to look for ways, look for a while to find them. One thing we're so encouraged about is uh, we knew of one of our biggest challenges going to the Indianapolis area. We're going to be locating in a little town near a little town called Mooresville, about the same size as Plymouth. Um, but uh, we have found a church online that is really encouraging us as to a possibility of where we'll land. But um, it's rare to find a place like this, and so it's been a rare privilege to be a part of it. And uh, something we will always cherish, and uh, we will always cherish our memories of you, our, our friendship with you, our fellowship with you, our co-laboring with you, to make disciples who make disciples. Amen? And uh, that's what I want to share with you about. So uh, we just celebrated our 30th anniversary. Wasn't it a special time? The day in the park was perfect. The, the setting was perfect. The weather held out for us. And um, 30 years of God's faithfulness, and uh, it, was a, it was a special time to commemorate and uh, look back and thank the Lord for all that he's done and anticipate what he will do. Scott's mentioned sometime, a few times recently, about the fact that churches tend to have a life cycle, and even research backs this up. They tend to grow and top out within 30 years or so. The fact that we just hit 30 is a sobering thought. And so um, churches do tend to grow, top out, plateau, and then start down at some point in time. Not very many churches grow like Crossroads has been growing and just keep growing like that year after year, decade after decade. That doesn't happen very often, but it can, and so really at, at this point in time is a time for us to seriously reflect on are we doing what we're each called to do for Crossroads to continue growing, and um, most growing churches begin, and this was mentioned at our 30th anniversary, <clears throat> as a result of a leader or leaders who have a real vision. That's how Crossroads started. You had a few leaders who had a real vision about making disciples, about a church, starting a church that would exist to make disciples. And that vision was there, and that was carried out by the leadership those first 15 years, and then the Lord brought Scott and Kelly, and that was very much in Scott's heart to continue leading the church in such a way and casting the vision that we are to be a church who makes disciples. So Jesus gave what is, um, 
This is the first slide. What is the uh, vision, the basis for the vision of Crossroads? When he said, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Don't miss that phrase. Teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. A lot of what making disciples has to do with is helping people to know that they, to be a disciple, must do what Jesus has told them to do. In fact, in a sense, that's the core of being a disciple. Do what Jesus has told you to do and what he will tell you to do. So that's the vision that uh, Scott has cast here. And that's the vision that we must all have. Um, so consequently, our vision is... Next slide says, our vision is to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. Just 13 words. should be able to memorize that. Our vision is to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. Okay? <clears throat> Humor me and say it with me three times in a row. You ready? Our vision is to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. Again, our vision is to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus one more time. Our vision is to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. Notice this is our. It's not just the vision of the leadership. Although they have embraced that and they've done the best they can to impart that vision to us, that is to be our vision. Our vision meaning your vision. The thing that's on my heart today that I get to say to you before I leave town is I want you to make sure that the Crossroads vision is your personal vision, okay? Is that your personal vision? Disciple needs to be defined, since we're going to make that our vision statement. So the next slide shows us a good definition of disciple that uh, Scott and others worked on. A disciple is a Christ follower who loves others and pursues living like Jesus, Loving like Jesus. Pleasing the Father at all times like Jesus did. That's what a disciple is. And it can be defined in different ways. That's a good definition of a disciple. <clears throat> but you have to be a disciple before you make a disciple. You don't necessarily have to be a disciple very long to start helping someone else be a disciple. If you've been a disciple for six months and somebody's just getting started, you're six months ahead of them and you can help them. But we have to be a disciple to make a disciple. Jesus said this about being a disciple. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I love the way the Amplified Bible translates that deny himself and take up his cross business. Because that's rather foreign language to us today. The Amplified Bible says, forget about, lose sight of, and disregard yourself and your own interests. Does that make it clear? Forget about, disregard, and lose sight of yourself and your own interests. A disciple is someone who stopped living for themselves and starts living for Jesus, basically. And so we are called to be disciples and to make disciples. Now, to be clear, that's happening in various ways at Crossroads. It has been happening. It's been happening in our next-gen ministries, children and the youth, there's disciple-making going on there and what's being taught children and youth. It happens in small groups. We just heard a testimony of how it happened. 
Steve, start happening in his small group with Scott and Kelly. Did you meet in your home? It start, they were making disciples in their home, making a disciple of Steve in their home, and that led to other things, to his finally making that full commitment. And so disciple making is happening in various ways, including in small groups and so forth and around crossroads. But it also happens so effectively one-on-one, one-on-two. If you're going to make Crossroads vision, your vision, you're going to need to start praying this prayer. Lord, who do you want me to disciple one-on-one someday? I was standing out here just outside the east door one to two years ago. I'm not good with time frames. I do well remember my age. I was standing out there, and you know who Ronnie McCullough is. Ronnie and Rachel, I think, are feeling led to plug in some, to another church. That's all right. The Lord will use them there. But I was standing out there, and I'd been talking something to Ronnie, and Ronnie was standing there. And I looked over at him, and when I looked at him, it was crystal clear, Paul, disciple Ronnie McCullough. I cannot explain to you how that came to me. It was clear. So I walked over to him. Ronnie, how you doing? Talked a little bit and said, Ronnie, how would you feel about you and I meeting occasionally, looking at scripture together, seeking the Lord together? He said, I'd like to do that. You know what Ronnie's doing today? He's winning disciples to Jesus in a factory in Elkhart, Indiana. How exciting is that? He's living out the vision. He, he became, he was already following Jesus, but I helped him become a more mature disciple of Jesus. That was the version of discipleship that he needed with me. And he is making disciples in Elkhart, Indiana, in a factory. That is so exciting. And so the vision's being lived out. But certain things happen one-on-one. I would be surprised if you're not supposed to disciple somebody one-on-one sometime. Someday. But you know how I got that is uh, I began praying the prayer. This was emphasized in the last year or two around here. Start praying the prayer, Lord, who would you have me disciple? I prayed that prayer for some time before that finally came into focus about Ronnie. And then it's come into focus with me about some other people. I've also had some people I made an offer to meet with them to disciple them, and that was declined. I have to leave that in God's hands. Maybe they weren't ready for it yet. Maybe I thought they were ready and they weren't. Who knows? But that's totally in the Lord's hands, and that's in their hands. So that may happen. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that discourage you. Just pray about who the next person is you should approach and ask. There are are different materials that can be given you. Check with your pastors about that to help you. But, you know, it's not so much about having the exact right materials to disciple somebody. That That is not the thing. If you meet with them and just love them and pray with them and say, listen, I'm trying to follow Jesus and I find that it helps me when I do this or this, you're discipling them. Really, the best material is you, okay? Not something on paper, not some book. The best material is you. Discipleship takes place best heart to heart, person to person, not so much in some kind of rote way. Now, Jesus said, next slide says, uh, Matthew 6, 5, and 6, and I just selected certain portions of uh, this. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself there. 
The next slide should say prioritize your time. Is that right? Thank you. I got ahead of myself. Uh, the best way I know of to be a disciple and to get it in your heart to make a disciple is this, to prioritize your time alone with God. I think that's where it will happen. That is the place where Crossroads vision will become your vision. Because in your time alone with God, I like to call it my time alone with God because that's what it is. It's not, I'm, it's not just a Bible reading time. It's not just a prayer time. It's my time alone with my Lord. The best part of my devotional time is Jesus, is simply connecting with him, telling him one more time that I love him, asking him one more time to help me be all that he wants me to be. My time alone with God is my time alone with him, pursuing my relationship with him. Okay, and I'm convinced that's the place where the crossroads vision will become your vision. So the question is, how's your time alone with God? It's in your time alone with God in Scripture and prayer that you get a greater vision of who God is. It's in that place that your heart is renewed in understanding just how great He is. And out of that vision of how great He is comes the vision of making disciples, being a disciple and making disciples. When you pray, you increase your love for God, you express your love for Him, and your love for Him increases. That's what happens in that time alone with Him. When you're in your time alone with Him, that's when your desire to be a disciple increases, and that's when your desire to make a disciple increases. That was when I began praying. I I've discipled people. One time I reflected on who I discipled all through the years. Since 1969. And there was this person and that person and that person. But it's really in the last few years here at Crossroads under Scott's leadership and other people's leadership that it's become really into focus for me that I am to be making disciples. This is what I am called to do and it's what you're called to do. And it's in my time alone with God that gets renewed. I get reminded of that. You know, you can get that in your heart, but it can seep out because we get so busy with all kinds of things. It's in our time alone with God that we're reminded of that. The next slide says, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 5, and 6, when you pray, and I selected certain portions, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray. Notice the words when. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. With Jesus, it's a given that you will get alone with him and talk to him and listen to him. It's as if Jesus is saying, if you take me seriously, you will take prayer seriously. I think the main reason that Crossroads Vision doesn't necessarily become our vision is because we don't pray very much. When we get along with him and pray, that vision can become our vision. And so Jesus is assuming that if you're his follower, that, his, that if you're that his disciple, that you will get along with him and pray. When you pray, 
I like it. I like the fact that you just go into your room and shut the door because that's exactly what I do. And my place of prayer is my my closet in our guest room. And it's a pretty decent sized closet, and um, it's got post-it notes stuck here and there, certain Bibles stacked beside my chair. And uh, when I go in there, I go into that guest room, I close the door, and I pray. I talk to Jesus, and I listen to him. I read scripture first, because he's already spoken to us through scripture, and I try to I find out what he wants to say to me through scripture that day, but then I talk to him, and I listen to him. A lot of people say, well, I don't get the listening business. He's never spoken to me. If you've ever opened this book, he has spoken to you. And I've maintained for years, Jesus speaks to people more than they think he does. He, he speaks to you by letting you know, putting something on your heart, do this. And he has spoken to you when he does that, and you are to obey. So <clears throat> it's when we're alone with him that um, our vision is renewed. Because we can all have this vision that I am to be a disciple who makes disciple, but it's not easy to maintain. It seeps out. We get busy. It gets crowded out by all kinds of things, most of them very good things. It doesn't get crowded out by some sin we give into uh, habitually. That can happen, of course. Usually gets crowded out by good things. Um, it's not about the amount of time that you pray. People get stuck on that. Um, forget about the amount of time. It's about making it a priority. It's about the fact that those moments that you designate for prayer are more important to you than anything else in that 24-hour period. I would rather be here alone with my Lord, talking to Him, listening to Him, praising Him, worshiping Him, than anything else I could do in those moments. Does that make sense? It's about priority. It's about, I want this to be more important than anything else I do in this 24-hour period. Is that your number one priority in every 24-hour period? It might be, it might just be 15, 20 minutes. might be somewhat less than that. It's hard to even say hello to Jesus in less than 10 minutes. <laughs> but it's not about the amount of time. It's about the priority that it is in your heart and in your day. This is the most important part of my day. It's inevitable that working and family and all those things take up the majority of the 24-hour period. You can't get away from that. can't get around that. But what's the most important thing in the 24-hour period? I think if it's getting along with your Lord, you will be maintaining your vision that you are to be a disciple who makes disciples. And by the way, you prioritize what you love. Amen? We all prioritize whatever we love. If we love a certain beverage, we're going to have it. That's why Starbucks is wealthy. If we love a certain hobby, we're going to do it. If we love a certain kind of food, we're going to eat it. That's why I love guacamole. I eat guacamole because I love it. People either love it or hate it. 
but we prioritize whatever we love. So you're prioritizing time alone with the Lord is about Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. It's about reminding yourself who this is that you're living for that day. It's reminding yourself of just how great he is. It's about loving him. One of the best places to love your Lord is in prayer alone with him, where you can express your heart to him without distractions. We love him in a lot of other ways. All that we do to serve people is loving God and in worship and in various ways. But when you're alone with him, you're loving him in a certain way that's different than anything else. You're fostering, you're growing your personal relationship with him. It's about overcoming spiritual amnesia. All of God's people have a case of spiritual amnesia. We forget. We forget how great he is. We forget how good he's been to us. But when you're alone with him, you're reminding yourself of how great he is and how good he's been to you. So if you've been at Crossroads for a good while, I hope your primary reason for staying here is to make Crossroads vision your vision, not just because going to church is the right thing to do, not just because you ought to raise your kids in church, not just because I want to see my friends every Sunday. I think there are people, their primary reason for going to church is I get to see my friends every Sunday. Those are okay additional reasons. But I hope your primary reason for coming here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday is to get the vision in your heart that you are to be a disciple who makes disciples. I hope that's your primary reason for showing up here each Sunday. Back to that life cycle thing. Churches plateau. That means they stop growing and they kind of level off. Churches can plateau and sit there for years, a few years, because of what's happened up to that point is so good that it can kind of ride along on that for several years. I believe, this is simply my humble opinion, that churches plateau for three reasons. The next slide tells us what I believe they are. One, a lack of vision in the pews. I'm convinced that Scott and other leaders in this church will maintain this vision for years to come. It's deep in their heart. They know that this is why Crossroads exists. They know that the reason these doors are open and the reason we gather and the reason we do everything we do at Crossroads is because we're to be disciples who make disciples. I believe they'll maintain that vision. But when that vision does not become all of our vision, we're headed for a plateau eventually. When enough people don't maintain that vision, the church will eventually plateau and stop growing. I don't know how long that would take, but the Lord forbid that it ever happens. The second reason I believe that churches plateau is compromise. And I like to describe compromise in what I call the one-degree compromise principle. A friend of mine named Steve, years ago at our church in Indianapolis, described it this way. He was an engineer, and in his engineer thinking, he pointed out to us that if you want to reach a certain point 
out there. If you walk straight to it, you'll get there. But if you get off one degree here and you don't correct that one degree, it's only a matter of a short distance that you'll be way off and you will not reach that. You will not. So if I'm, he even had the number of feet it is. If I'm this many feet from that door and if, and if I get off one degree walk to walk through that door, in so many feet, I'll miss the door if I don't correct the compromise. So if we compromise, Crossroads, if we compromise by doing something that we know the Lord has told us to forsake and don't correct it, we will not reach the goal of keeping that vision in our hearts. If we um, compromise in terms of becoming offended and not correcting that offense. We will not reach the goal of making Crossroads vision our vision. If we hold on to an offense, we'll not reach that goal of making that vision our vision. Some churches plateau and then start declining because there's X number of people that have been offended and don't ever get the offense straightened out for years and years and years. And then they get a group of people to side with them against somebody else over that which they're offended about. Factions start in the church, and the church starts down. Crossroads is not immune from that, folks. That can happen eventually if enough of us refuse to correct our compromise about being offended. It's inevitable that something will offend us. It may be some kind of addiction to something that causes us to compromise. And if we don't get that corrected, we will not be able to maintain the Crossroads vision as our vision. And we will contribute to Crossroads hitting a plateau eventually. You can be addicted to all kinds of things. So if that addiction is not corrected, then there's a problem. And if enough people don't correct their compromises, we're headed for plateau. The third thing I think that causes a church to plateau is settling for lesser priorities. Some lesser priority than keeping Jesus first, getting alone with him, and making disciples. If we compromise for less priorities than that. Churches compromise by making something a less priority than those things. Colin humored us by saying, you know, he's all through the years he's heard, here's how to grow your church better. Cleaner restrooms. Fresh smelling restrooms. Sure sermons. This and that and the other. If we um, settle for lesser priorities, crossroads can eventually plateau and stop growing. There, have, there are churches out there <clears throat> who grow and grow and grow, then they start settling for lesser priorities. And at some point, the numerical growth keeps going, but the spiritual growth doesn't. And there's a risk of becoming a mile wide and an inch deep. It happens in churches all across America. There is enough momentum in the vision of the 
pastors maybe and the leaders and certain things that have happened that God has been doing. There's enough momentum in that that uh, it keeps growing numerically, but not enough people make the vision of the leaders their vision, and it becomes it be, remains large numerically but shallow spiritually. That's a possibility for Crossroads. Do not contribute to that happening. Make Crossroads vision your vision. When you pray, when you read your scripture and get along with the Lord and pray, make sure you don't just read scripture. I'm afraid too many people get along with the Lord. They open their Bible. They read a few scriptures, close their Bible and say, I'm good to go. Don't do that. Read scripture, then talk to your Lord about being a disciple and about making disciples and about your love for him and give him an opportunity to say something to you. People say, well, I don't know what he's, how he could say something to me. If you give him opportunity day after day after day after day, he will have something to say to you. He'll have many things to say to you if you keep giving him the opportunity. Praying churches never die, crossroads. Praying churches never die. They continue growing indefinitely. And praying churches maintain their vision. The best way you can make crossroads vision your vision and see that it stays that way is to make your time alone with God top priority. All of this is simply... Loving God and loving one another and loving other people. The Great Commission is really carrying out the Great Commandments, obeying the Great Commandments, loving God and loving people. There's no loving God and loving people without obeying the Great Commission. So that's my words to you before I get out of town. Make sure Crossroads Vision is your vision. And the best way you can do that is in your time alone with God. Because you can make that your vision, but it will get crowded out by every good thing in your life. And uh, so it's in that time alone with God that you maintain that vision. Does that make sense? It's in that time alone with God that you will maintain your vision.